a priest dies following a road accident and is awaiting his turn to enter heaven. Ahead of him is a guy with untidy hair, unshaven face, and tattoos on his arms. St. Peter, standing at the gate of heaven, says to this untidy man, Please tell me your name, your profession, and your city, so that I may check the book of life and see whether your name is in it. The burly man replies, I am Apusami, and I drive a green line bus in Delhi. St. Peter checks his book. He smiles brightly and says to Apusami, Please take this silk robe and this golden scarf and enter into the kingdom of heaven. Now it's the priest's turn. So the priest stands there with all his majesty and he says, I am Father John Pinto, head priest of Don Bosco Church, Delhi. Then Peter checks his book. And he sighs and says to Father John Pinto, Please take this cotton robe and enter into the kingdom of God. Hey, wait a minute, says the priest. How come that foul-mouthed, untidy, rash driver who's probably killed a couple of people because of his rash driving is given a a silken robe and a golden scarf while me, while I, who served in the kingdom of God for over 40 years, I get only a cotton robe. Well, says St. Peter, results matter. Results. It's all about results. When you preached, people slept. While when he drove, people prayed. I pray that today as I preach, you will not sleep. But if you do choose to sleep, I have two able men to help me out. Shall we pray? Gracious Father, take charge of this time. Take control of every one of us, Lord Father. And Father God, even as you speak, help us to recognize your voice. Help us to recognize that you are telling us something that is important to us, Lord. And Father God, even as you tell us what we need to do, we pray, Lord, that we will heed your voice and we will change our lives to a life that you want us to live, Lord. We commit this time into your hands, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Shall we turn to the book of Romans, chapter 14, verse 12. Romans, chapter 14, verse 12. And this is what it says. So then, each of us shall give account of himself to God. So then, each of us shall give account of himself to God. Over the last two months, in our Bible studies, we have been focusing on the passion narrative, as written in Mark 14. We have tried to understand the significance of the word of our Lord Jesus Christ when he said, This is my body, broken for you. And again when he said, This is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for many 
we have tried to understand these words. In about half an hour's time, many of us are going to partake in the Lord's Supper. We do this month after month. And on the last three days of this month, we shall remember with the world, with the rest of the world, the events of Good Friday and Easter Sunday. None of these are new to us. We have been hearing them time and time again. We have lived Easter after Easter. But the question that God put to me, to put before you is simply this. Do any of these events mean anything at all to any of us? Do any of these events that we are talking about in the Passion Narrative, do any of the words that Jesus used when he said, this is my body, broken for you, this is my cup of the new covenant, shed for many, do any of these things mean anything at all to any of us? At the Last Supper, in the upper room, Jesus said, do this in remembrance of me. Do we remember why he shed his blood? Do we remember why he had to hang on that cross on Calvary? Do we recognize that the fundamental truth of Christianity is what happened at the cross? Today, when the pastor reads out in just about half an hour's time, when he reads out, from 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 28. And he will read this. But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. What will it mean to you and to me? Our starting text from Romans 14:12 demands that each of us needs to give an account of himself or herself to God. We need to start examining ourselves today and determine where we stand. And so the title of this short message is simply self-examination. Self-examination. So let us go back in time, about 2,000 years back, to the day Jesus Christ was crucified. I want you to picture Jesus crucified on that cross and the many people around. You are one of them. But where exactly are you standing? And that is something we need to think about. And that is something that each one of us needs to answer. Picture Christ on that cross. Picture the multitude of people. The different types of people. And you are there. But where are you standing? There are four places in relation to the cross that you can be. You could be behind the cross. You could be in front of the cross. You could be beside the cross. But you could also be at the foot of the cross. These are the four possible places that you could be. And we are going to try to identify where we are standing in relation to each of these positions. Number one, 
are you behind the cross? In Matthew 27, verses 35 to 36, it is written like this, and I am reading from the New Living Translation. Matthew 27, 35 to 36. After they had nailed him to the cross, the soldiers gambled for his clothes by throwing dice. Then they sat around and kept guard as he hung there. Soldiers are trained to do a job. Soldiers are always told that when they do a job, be as unobstructive as possible. So you would not expect them to be in front of the cross because they want the people to see that the job is done. They would be behind the cross. And this is where the Roman soldiers stood. The Roman soldiers were there behind the cross. They had a task to do and they did it to perfection. They had to nail Jesus on the cross. They did it. They had to nail others to the cross. They did it. They were competent at their job. They were not really interested on the man hanging on the cross. They were only interested in doing their job. And if in the bargain of doing their job, they could get something out of it. And we know from the Bible that yes, the robe was there for them to take. That's all they were interested in. They were physically so close to Christ, but they knew him not. They were blinded by the law and could not see the light. Many of us are like the soldiers. We are involved in conducting perfectly many activities and programs. We are bothered more about the program than about Christ. Are you one of these? Are we so busy with our programs that we have lost sight of Christ? We need to ask ourselves that question. Am I running around doing this thing and that thing and this thing and that thing that I have no time for Christ? Christ has become the casualty. I am interested in doing the job to perfection. What's it about? Who's the central theme of the task that I am doing? I don't know. And I'm not really bothered. Just like the soldiers. Their job was to hang the man on the cross. Who was he? It didn't really matter to them. They had an instruction. The commander was telling them, hang the man on the cross. They did it. Today I'm asking you that same question. Are we these kinds of people? Forgetting that Christ is the center of everything. What is the health of your relationship with Christ today? Are you standing behind the cross? Position number two. Are you in front of the cross? Let's read Mark 15, verses 29 to 32. Mark 15, 29 to 32. And the people passing by shouted abuse, shaking their heads in mockery. Look at you now, they yelled at him. 
you can destroy the temple and rebuild it in three days, can you? Well then, save yourself and come down from the cross. The leading priests and teachers of religious law also mocked Jesus. He saved others, they scoffed, but he can't save himself. Let this Messiah, this King of Israel, come down from the cross so we can see it and believe him. This is where the multitude stood and watched. This was entertainment for them. It is not every day that you find a hanging on a cross. The monotony of their day-to-day living was broken by this triple portion excitement of seeing three people being crucified all at once. To many people, this was entertainment. If you were there, would you be in that position? Would you be standing there to again see this spectacle which happens once in a while? Fifteen years back, I lived in one of our neighboring countries. I was there for just over a year and I couldn't stay there any longer. And one day, I found that there was something happening in the marketplace. And people were going there and there was great excitement. Now, I used to go to the marketplace every day to buy fruits. I was there without my family. My family was back in India. So I used to walk every day to the marketplace to buy bananas and oranges and grapes because you had the best of fruits. And I enjoyed eating those fruits. So I would go every day to buy fresh fruit, bring it to my room and eat. And as I walked, I found hordes of people, men and women, rushing to the marketplace. And I said, what's happening? Why, why is today uh, you know, such a day of excitement? Why is everybody running to the market? So somebody turned on and said, you don't know? I said, no, I don't know. He said, where are you going? I said, well, I'm going to buy bananas. He said, no, 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 there's something important happening. I said, what's happening? He said, there's a hanging. I said, wow, there's a hanging. So everybody's excited about hanging. Would you like to be in that position? I said, so why is everybody running? He said, no, we're going to see the hanging. This doesn't happen often. It happens once in a while. And today two people are being hanged. Because they raped somebody. And they were caught. And they're going to be hanged. That's the punishment. I said, thank you very much. I turned around. I didn't have my bananas that day. Okay. It happens. People are excited when such things happening. If you were in that crowd 2,000 years back, would you be in front of the cross, looking up and saying, wow, this has made my day today. Many in that multitude might have heard Jesus preach and teach. They even might have tasted the fish and the bread that he multiplied across to them twice. But where they moved, did they ever want to stop this crucifixion? No. All they wanted to do was hurl insults and more insults at him. Many of us are like these people, believe me. We like to watch and comment upon men of God and church activities, especially if you are not part of that. And then we make all kinds of comments 
and defame the name of God in the process. And we think that we are doing nothing wrong. Men hurled insults 2,000 years back. Today it's happening. Men hurl insults. They think they are doing it on men. But this is what God said when the Israelites asked for a king. He said, they are, it's not about you they are talking about. They, want, they actually don't want me. They want me to go away. So today, the question is, are we like that? Are we hurling insults on activities of the church? It can be anywhere. Are we hurling insults on people of God? Are we hurling insults at men of God and women of God? Do we try to attribute reasons for why they do certain things? Do we assume that they are doing certain things for certain reasons without having any proof at all as to what we are saying? Ask yourself that. Is that where I am today? Have I become a cynical, nitpicking person, always criticizing the work of God and the men of God? Let us not be quick to judge. Let us instead renew our relationship with Christ and determine not to take his death on that cross casually. Position number three. Are you by the side of the cross? Turn with me to Matthew 27, verse 38. Matthew 27, verse 38. And in the NLT it says this. Two criminals were crucified with him. Their crosses on either side of his. And in verse 44, it goes on to say, and the criminals who were crucified with him also shouted the same insults at him. Now, who was here? The two criminals or the two convicts. Now, who is a criminal or a convict? Anyone who has committed a crime according to the law is defined as a criminal or a convict. The two men hanging on either side of Jesus were men who had transgressed the law. And they were therefore facing their rightful punishment. Yet, even in that last moment of their lives, they were still hurling insults at Jesus Christ. In the chronology of events, as mentioned in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 23, you will see that it was only at some point, a little after this, after the two of them hurled insults at Jesus, it was only a little later that one of them turned to Jesus and said, Remember me. He was saved instantly. Now, are we like these criminals? Often we are. Often we are. When things don't go according to our plans, we often blame God for it. We may or may not verbalize it. In fact, we are quite careful not to verbalize it. We are quite careful to say, as God's plan. It's God's will. You see, what are you really thinking about? That's the important thing. Because what you verbalize is what I hear. Or what we hear. But what you think about, what you verbalize is not really what God is looking at. What you are thinking inside is crystal clear to God. 
We often think it. We often say, God's let me down. God promised me this. God's let me down. God's changed his mind. God's let me down. Have we forgotten that just yesterday, you too were an unsaved criminal? You don't like to be called a criminal, do you? But the fact is, a criminal is one who has transgressed the law. And if you are true to yourself, you will know that yesterday, you also transgressed the law. So by simple definition, you are a criminal. Simple as that. Okay? If Christ has made a difference in your life, do you portray that in your daily living? Or is your life just a litany of sad tales? We need to ask ourselves that question. Where am I standing today? Am I standing beside the cross like those criminals still blaming God for things that are happening in my life? The fourth position. Are you at the foot of the cross? Turn with me to John chapter 19, 25 to 27. John chapter 19, 25 to 27. Standing near the cross were Jesus' mother and his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Cleophas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus saw his mother standing there beside the disciple, he loved. He said to her, Woman, he is your son. And he said to the disciple, She is your mother. And from then on, this disciple took her into his home. All these people must have been very close to the cross because Jesus was able to speak to them while hanging on that cross. And they could hear him and they could understand him. So they were not far away. They were very close. They were at the foot of the cross. They did not come because it was their duty. They did not come to watch a spectacle. They did not come to mock him or insult him. They came because they knew him and they loved him. Yes, they were sad at that moment, but that sorrow would be turned to joy in just three days' time. Today, could you identify yourself as one of those who was at the foot of the cross? Could you say, yes, 2,000 years back when I see, when I visualize Christ hanging on that cross, I was there at the foot of the cross. I am there at the foot of the cross. Some of you may say, yes, I am at the foot of the cross and that's great. We are there in joy, not in sorrow. We are there because we know Christ. We are there because we love Christ. And we are there because we are prepared to suffer for his namesake. We are not there to watch a spectacle. Neither are we there because it's our duty. Let me end with this small illustration. Some of you might have heard it before, but it is worth repeating. There was a gathering of great literary and artistic persons, along with a group of commoners. It was a recitation evening, and many great literary works were being recited. Suddenly, someone in the crowd asked whether anyone could recite Psalm 23. A famous film actor with a booming baritone voice stood up and recited it with great pomp. 
everyone in the crowd was impressed. And there was great clapping of hands. In the crowd was an elderly pastor. And he was also asked to recite it softly. And with a shaky voice, he recited it. By the time he finished, there was no one who didn't have tears in their eyes. The great actor then went up and announced to the crowd, I know the psalm. He knows the shepherd. What about you and me today? Do we know all the facts that are written in this book? The number of miracles, the number of ands, the number of buts, which is the central verse of the Bible, which is the shortest verse of the Bible, which is the longest chapter and the longest verse. Do we have all of the statistical information at the tip of our fingers? Or do we know the Christ of this Bible? Knowledge is good. Knowledge of what? Knowledge of whom is the question. There are many people who know this Bible front to back, back to front. They can quote any amount of statistics about the Bible. Do they know Christ personally? No. Christ is just a character in the Bible. One of the many characters in the Bible. But to you and me today, is he one of the characters of the Bible or is he the center of the Bible? That's the question. If he is the center of the Bible, is he the center of your life? The question for each of us to answer today is this. Where am I today? As you prepare to share in the Lord's table, ask yourself this question. What does that bread mean to me? What does that cup mean to me? What does Christ's sacrifice mean to me? In a few minutes, pastor will encourage you to examine yourself. What will you do? Have you already examined yourself and prepared yourself for the Lord's table? In truth, you should have done it before coming for today's service. If you haven't, it's okay. There still is time. I pray that you will meditate on these thoughts and remember with gratitude that Christ died on the cross so you and I can live and live eternally in the presence of God, in the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's just take some time. Let's just take some time to think about where we are today. This is self-examination. This is self-examination. Think about yourself. Just close your eyes. Think about yourself. Where do you stand today? Are you behind the cross? Coming to church, reading the Bible, doing something in a ministry. Is it a duty that you are doing? Are you in front of the cross? Do you find fault with what is happening? Do you find fault with what your ministry leader is doing? 
Do you find fault with the way the church is being run? Are you beside the cross? Do you play the blame game with the recipient of the blame being God? Or are you at the foot of the cross and you say, Lord, you are my savior. Everything in my life is about you. Everything I have is about you. My very being is about you. My very existence is about you. Can you say that today? Examine yourself. If there is some place where you think you are falling short, ask God. Tell him. Tell him. There are no preconditions. God says, come into my presence at any time. Talk to me. You don't need to fix an appointment with him. He is here. Ready to talk to you. Talk to him right now. Tell him that area where you have fallen short. And tell him that you want to get that first love back. Tell him that when you come to take the bread and the cup, you know what it means. Thank him for the blood that he shed on that cross. Thank him that because he chose to leave the, the comfort of heaven and come down to be with men, to suffer at the hands of men, today you and I are assured that when it's our time to go from this place, we will go into the comfort of heaven. We are assured of a place in heaven. Tell him that. Thank him for that. Thank him for that. Continue to think about what your life is all about. Because our life on this earth may be 60 years, 70 years, maybe 80 years. But we need to worry about what's happening after that. We need to worry about eternity. Seventy years will go in a flash of an eye. Let's continue to examine ourselves. What is your position in the Lord today? Imagine the cross before you. Are you in the front? Are you behind? Are you beside? Or you are at the foot of Jesus Christ? Is it mean to you? Do you believe that Jesus died on the cross? It is for you alone. You and you alone. What is your expression? Let us thank God for the word, what God has given to us. He has spoken to us very personally. It is not only to the church. It is for every individual as a children. 
we have to personalize personalize this word loving gracious father we thank you we thank you lord for your love thank you lord for sending your son jesus christ to this world thank you lord once again you reminded us and you have spoken to us the message of cross through your servant Lord thank you that you inspire the word in a way that you want us to understand and accept it Father here we are to obey you what you have commanded us Do we remember you O oh Father as you have commanded us to remember Lord for your death your burial and resurrection more than everything you are coming give us the grace give us the grace to understand it to identify ourselves where we are we are not like those soldiers we are not like those you know, the thieves we are not of the people those who come for excitement or of fun we are at your cross committing ourselves before you crying for our sins yes lord and thanking you for forgiving all our sins of father as we examine and look unto you lord we believe that you will accept each and every one of us in Jesus name we pray amen once again it's our privilege for us to come into the lord to take part in the lord's table please turn to our bibles to first corinthians chapter 11 whatever we heard let us connect those words with the scriptures and identify once again what it means to you what it means to you and where are you from verse 23 of 1st Corinthians chapter 11 for i received from the lord that which i also delivered to you that the lord jesus on the same night in which he was betrayed took bread and when he had given thanks he broke it and said take eat this is my body which is broken for you do this in remembrance of me in the same manner he also took the cup after supper saying This cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. Therefore, eat of this bread or drink this cup of the lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of the body 
and blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself. And so, let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner, eats and drinks judgment to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this reason, many are weak and sick among you, and many are asleep. For if we would judge ourselves, we would not be judged. But when we are judged, we are chastened by the Lord, and we may not be condemned with the world. The scripture is very clear. There are many things we learn from this. He talks about the examination. He also spoke about the judgment. Here, God is not, yeah, of course, the message of this today is everyone will be judged. But here, the judgment is not by anyone, you yourself judging, while you are examining yourself. How do you take part in the Lord's table? Why do you take part in this Lord's table? So, if, if it is mean to you, yes, it's a time of refreshing, time of remembrance, time of Proclamation, time of obedience, time of fellowship, coming in union as a children. If it doesn't mean to you, really you do not know the meaning of it, today the Lord spoke to you. Where is your position today? So, dear children of God, this table is prepared. For the children of God, those who are obeyed the Lord, accepted Him as the Lord and Savior, and obeyed the Lord into waters of baptism. When it comes to the waters of baptism, some of you still may not understand what it means. To. Some of you may think of your childhood baptism. Let me take you to Acts chapter 2, as Peter was preaching, from verse 38, what it means to us. <clears throat> Acts chapter 2, verse 38. Then Peter said to them, Repent, and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. When it continues, verse 40, And with many other words he testified and exhorted them, saying, Be saved from this perverse generation. Then those who gladly received his word were baptized. And that day about 3,000 souls were added to them, and they continued steadfastly in the apostle doctrine and fellowship in the breaking of bread 
and in prayer. So dear children of God, one thing we should remember. When we say about accepting Christ and being baptized means, it doesn't speak about your childhood baptism. Let us clear about it. Understanding about this. It speaks about repent for our sins and be baptized. Those of you who accepted the Lord, repented for your sins, unbaptized, that means the adult baptism, or eligible or free to come and take part in this Lord's table. So please, as you have heard the word, don't be judged by the Lord. It is time for you to examine yourself and you can judge yourself. And if you are convinced, it's a time for you to know the Lord and believe in His forgiveness, in His death on the cross and confess before Him and make sure of your forgiveness God has promised to you. Then obey Him as the Lord, the Holy Spirit, leads to you. Let us pray for the last table which kept before us. Gracious Heavenly Father, once again we thank you. Our hearts are filled with the love and gratitude unto you. As your word came to us straight away from you, O Father, through your servant, we are all convinced and we are, now we remember the purpose of you uh, put your son Jesus Christ on the cross before 2,000 years ago. It is all for our sins, our Father. Lord, because He died on the cross, Lord, He has taken all our sins on the cross, O Father. Dear Father, as You commanded us to do this, uh, this table, to remember the death, burial, and the resurrection and coming of Your Lord, Lord, here with as You are taking, we also identify ourselves that we are one, and we will remember the purpose of your death, and we also assure that we will proclaim the goodness, your goodness, and your mercy, and the purpose you died on the cross. We thank you, Lord, even in this time, for the bread and the wine which was kept before us. Sanctify it in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ. As we take part to our, uh, one among us, O oh Father, help us to understand that we are one in you. One in spirit, one in love, and we are, Lord, here to glorify your name alone. In Jesus' most exalted name we pray. So as you have heard, and as you heard the word, and uh, the Lord's table is for the people, those who are born again, and water baptized, you are coming in the order, as the ushers are leading you, please cooperate with the ushers, so that we will have the communion peacefully.
Behold the Lamb who bears our sins away, slain for us. We remember this promise made that all who come in faith find forgiveness at the cross. So we share. So we share in this bread of blood and we drink of this sacrifice. As the sun of our bonds of peace around the table of the king, the body of our Savior Jesus Christ, John for you. Eat and remember. The wounds that heal the dead that brings us God paid the price to make us one. So we share. So we share in this bread of life and we drink of this sacrifice as a sign. Of our bonds of love around the table of the king. The blood that cleanses every stain of sin shed for you. Drink and remember, He drained that cup that all may enter in to receive the life of God. So we share. So we share in this bread of life, and we drink of this sacrifice as the song of grace, of grace around the table of the King. And so with thankfulness and faith we rise to restore. And to remember our call to follow in the steps of Christ and his fall. 
as we share, as we share in this suffering, we proclaim Christ will come again and will join in the feast of hell around the table of the King. Second Samuel chapter 9 verse 13 So Mephibosheth dwelt in Jerusalem for he ate continually at the king's table. 
and he was lame in both his feet. Father, we want to thank you for the invitation unto the table. God, we've not done anything to earn this. The Bible says that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Lord, we are grateful for transforming us through the gospel. Many a times we have tried to please you. But it's the King's grace that has brought us to this table. And at this table only cripples enter. The self-righteous cannot partake of this. It is only those who beat their breasts and say, Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner, who are being cleansed and transformed. And to as many as received you, you gave the right to become the children of God. We are children today in the name of Jesus. And if children, we are heirs along with Christ. We thank you, Lord. Father, for this grace that we shall eat continually at your table in Jesus' name. And we know that this is a precursor of a wedding feast that is being prepared for us. That at the feast of the Lamb, we would partake. God, and this is the assurance that we have. That you will in no wise cast out anyone who comes unto you. Father, we have walked into your presence. We have come, O Lord God, knowing that you will never cast us out. And therefore, we fall down before you and we say, God, we are thankful. We are thankful for this table. God, and we look forward to that wedding supper when we shall feast with you and you would feast with us. We are all the bride of Christ, looking forward for the final redemption of our souls. And with that hope, we gird up our minds, even now. Thank you, Father, for speaking with clarity. Thank you for speaking unto our hearts. We go home rejoicing, having partaken in fellowship with you. Glory be to your name, O Lord God. In Jesus' name we pray. Father, our heart is also to them who did not partake this day. Father, there could be many who are contrite and broken over their sins and they've not repented. We pray that you will give them the gift of repentance in the name of Jesus. And as many as do not know the joy of fellowship with you, would you not stir up their hearts? Would you not cause them to come into your presence? Because in your presence there is abundance of forgiveness. Father, therefore, I pray that we would all join together and none would miss heaven in Jesus' name. Everyone will make it in the name of Jesus. Therefore, glory be to your name, O Lord God. And so now, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, and the love of God our Father, and the sweet fellowship of the Holy Spirit, be with us all now and forevermore. Amen. For surely, His goodness and mercy shall follow us all the days of our lives, and we will dwell in the house of the Lord forever and ever. Amen. Go in peace. The joy of the Lord is your strength. Amen.
How great is our God? How great is His name? How great is His love? Forever the same. He rolled back the water of the mighty Red Sea, and He said, "I never leave you." Put your trust in me. How great is our God? How great is our God? How great is His name? How great is His love? Forever the same. He rolled back the water of the mighty rain. And he said, I'll never leave you. Put your trust in me. And he said, I'll never leave you. Put your trust in me. 